Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Mia DeWeese. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, she's always had a love for dance but didn't know it would lead her to musical theater. After moving to New York for college and working five side jobs in the city while going to auditions, all her work finally paid off when she was asked to join Moulin Rouge as an associate choreographer and was later cast as a swing. Please welcome Mia Deweese. How have you been? This past, like, two years have kind of been a whirlwind and they've been nuts. Yeah. Yes, it's been crazy. Um, it's like, I, uh, for a long time, really embraced being busy again. And then like recently I've started to almost mourn like the days where I wasn't busy. And so it's, it's always feels like this. A roller coaster, constant yeah. roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. How did you like get through the past two years or the past like 2020 really? Yeah. How did you get through 2020 without like live entertainment? <laughs> um, for the first, eight months uh no I guess six months for the first six months it felt I had I felt as if I had a really clear purpose um when I I went back when everything shut down I went back to my home in a uh, hometown in Ohio in Columbus um with my parents and I stayed and my grandfather was who was 92 at the time was not doing well and he was at this place in his life where he had nurses coming, like home nurses coming in. I mean, my mom was his primary caretaker, but he was still at home. And so my he would come and stay with my parents on the weekend, but then he had nurses throughout the day, every day. But anyways, when, all, when the shutdown happened, all of the nurses obviously stopped coming because they were all working in like congregate care centers and stuff. And so he moved into my parents' house and I moved into my parents' house as well. And so for the first six months, it really every day was just like us trying to keep my grandfather alive, you know? Um, and so so the, for the first six months, I never got anxious or like never really even, it just felt like a different completely, like different life completely. And all my effort was going into trying to caretake for my grandfather. Um, but then when he, he passed away a year ago now, and when he passed, then I was like, okay, <laughs> now what? <laughs> um, like I want to get back to live entertainment stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also feeling like I then felt like I had this really strong connection to home that I hadn't had in a really, cause I had never, I hadn't been back. I moved to New York when I was 18 for college. So it had been a long time since I'd spent that much time in my hometown and I sort of like came to know it as an adult and so then I was like do I stay here like am I done like are we done with New York like because is anything ever going to come back like I just I just started reeling of like I just don't even know what this looks like anymore and so I just sort of like I had to just relinquish and just sort of like leave it up to, <laughs> to the universe and um yeah. And it, it was, I remember the, um, I started judging dance competitions again first. And, um, I had like a really visceral emotional reaction to like a dance number that like nine-year-olds were doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I miss live performance. Like, I mean, <laughs> I watch dance moms like religiously almost. <laughs> so I get that because yeah. like, I'm like watching these dancers, like, if I had like 2% of the talent, they do, <laughs> like eight years old, yeah, yeah. then that'd be amazing. Yeah. And they're beautifully choreographed, so. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know, I like judging can be, I mean, the hours are just nuts and like nine times out of 10, the dancing you're watching is like not the best. But then there was, you know, every once in a while, there's just like a spark of something. And, and, and especially in a time where I'd been deprived of seeing live performances, I would, I had such like an emotional reaction to the dances that were really good because like, I've been starved of this. And you're seeing like the future yeah, yeah. while you're judging. Do you ever get to like, when you're judging dance competitions, do you ever get to like talk behind the scenes to, I mean, I know there's, we're probably COVID protocol still at the time, but do you ever get to like talk behind the scenes like to the dancers and be like, 
give them advice or anything? No, they keep out of like protection of us. Usually the companies keep us pretty separate because it's not so much the dancers, but the dance moms. I mean, you know, you're a fan of dance moms. (laughs) It can get crazy and they can feel all types of ways about, you know, the way their kids were judged, what their placement was. So like they hustle us out of there. As soon as like the segments are done, we like get out. (laughs) So I never really get to interface with the kids I judge unless it's like, unless it's a dance studio where I know the owners and that happens every once in a while, but then you also have to be careful because you can't like pretend to know people because then it's favoritism and you know, it's a whole yeah. thing. The so politics like, of dance competitions. <laughs> so it's like basically writing critiques like on the paper. Yeah, well, yeah. you're speaking the critiques, which actually oh. is really cool. Cause it does then feel like you get to have a dialogue in a way, even though it's one-sided. Oh, yeah. but how cool to watch the future generation of like, live entertainment in general like you never know what they're going to do with their lives but you know they're going to do something with Mm -hmm. like what they're doing if they're super talented yeah yeah so when was the moment you realized that you wanted to be a performer um I mean I always so as a kid I always wanted to be a dance teacher that was always like from day one I used to say I wanted to be a dance teacher um And then I feel like I started being interested in being a performer. I think I just never knew what it meant to be a performer. Like I never knew what that looked like really because I didn't have anyone in my um, atmosphere who was doing that. But I loved my dance teachers growing up. So it felt like that was the thing I wanted to do. Um, And so I feel like I didn't really decide I wanted to be a performer until like high school. and I, but I still didn't know what that looked like. Like I still was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll go to college for dance. I'll perform for a couple of years. Then I'll like become a dance teacher. That was always sort of my thing. It actually wasn't until I was like 25 where I was like, oh, I'm a performer. Like this is what I'm want to do. <laughs> yeah. Like for, for like, you're like, no, nah, maybe not dance teacher. Maybe I'll teach dance in some form or way, but like I want yeah. to be on the stage before. And I, and I, I mean, I still, I actually still hold those kind of to equal regard, but I think I didn't realize the amount of time it really takes to find your stride as a performer. I had always been told that like, by the time you're in your twenties, you're done, you know? And it actually I, like, because, you know, I'm from Ohio, people don't dance, like they just don't yeah. know. So the, the people that they know, it's like, are people that went off did a show or something and then came home and started their lives at like 25 or whatever. And so it took being around, being immersed in, in the culture of it and to see older performers to be like, oh, right. Like this is just the beginning of what's possible. Yeah. I mean, I think people like singing wise, doesn't your voice peak at like in your thirties singing? You know, I don't know much about singing, so <laughs> your, your guess oh. is probably better than mine. <laughs> so, I mean, I assume that for, I assume that for dance, like that can be the same. Um, I mean, I think it's slightly different because your body's like, my body is already yeah. more limited than it was when I was, you know, a teenager, but you get to be smarter. Like you become a smarter dancer cool. um, and you learn your limitation. Like, I think a lot of growing older as a dancer is just like relinquishing what used to be and and um, being comfortable with understanding what like what season of life your body is in now. And like, that doesn't mean that it's better or worse. It's just different. And you know, like, you know, like your limits, you know how to deal with stamina, exactly. etc. Yeah. What was the first live theater show that you ever saw? Where you were like, oh, so like I can be on a stage and dance mm-hmm. in a theater show. Um, do you mean like specifically musical theater? Yes. Okay. Um, I used to see a lot. So, so I gotta be honest. I used to hate theater. <laughs> I was not a theater kid growing up. I was like hardcore dance dancer dancer. Um. And I, but, but I used to go see like when, when tours would come through the like Ohio theater, Columbus theater, like I would see shows and I got to tell you the most enjoyable tour I ever saw was Thoroughly Modern Millie. 
which I wasn't even like excited about at the time to go to. And I like adored it. Um, so that sticks out of my mind as being like, oh, that's a cool show. Like one of the first that I was like, that's a fun show. I didn't see myself in it, but I enjoyed it. And then the, I saw several Broadway shows and still felt very disconnected from the, the form. It wasn't until I saw the revival of Cabaret when Ooh. I was like 23, I think, or 24, that I was like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> Like the one on Broadway? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, did you see Emma Stone in it? I saw, um, no, who who was before? It was, um, what's her face? Uh, Michelle Williams. I saw Michelle Ooh. Williams. Ooh. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. Wow, I can imagine how brilliant that was. That was, it was just, I mean, it's because I, um, I'm getting better now because I, you know, working in theater is still a learned practice. Like I, I just am gathering more knowledge, but like at the time it, and, and if it's done well, it makes sense. But I think I've seen a lot of bad shows where like breaking into song just never feels organic. Um, and so, and I've never been able to connect to it. It feels forced. Um, and it wasn't until I saw Cabaret, which was a show about show people that I was like, okay, this feels organic. Like. And then it also had these like historical roots. Like, you know, I, I love Berlin. It's my favorite city in the world. So like it, that was the first one where I really was like, oh, this is a like impeccable show. Like this is a gorgeous show. Um, what you're saying is I got to show my sister who isn't into musical theater, cabaret. Mm -hmm. Honestly, yes. Like show her some of the weird darker sh stuff that's like, yeah, I don't know, because because I think that if you aren't, if you don't study it, and I, I guess I shouldn't generalize because I know some people just love theater, no matter what it is. But I think if you don't actively study it, then you don't understand like the nuance of how people craft a show like that and how delicate it is to like put in songs and put in, and it's often not done well, you know? And so it, it, it requires you to, to do your research and like see shows that are done really well to be like, okay, I see what this is and I get what this language is and I appreciate it. Yes, a lot of elements have to come together and like yeah. and mesh perfectly mm -hmm. for it to be a truly good piece of musical theater. Yeah, yeah. So you studied, uh, you went to college at Marymount Manhattan University, I read. Why did you choose to go there? And what was the most valuable lesson and takeaway you learned from going to school there that helped you? So I didn't put much thought into going there, honestly. I, um, I knew I wanted to move to New York to dance. And but my parents were like, okay, well, you're not just moving to New York at 18. Like you've got to at least give college a shot. Um, and, and I was, and the thing is too, is I was interested in, I don't know. I just never wanted to go to college for dance. I, if I wasn't a dancer, I wanted to be a lawyer. And so it was like, to me, I'm like, but I don't want to do that. I want to be a dancer. So I don't want to go to college then. Like it, and, but, but they were pretty, um, they were like, well, we're not, we're not sending you to New York at 18. So I did very, yeah. I did to colleges now. Uh, well, yeah, there you go. And so I, um, I didn't know much. I just knew a couple people who went there. And so I decided to apply. Um, I didn't apply to very many other colleges or universities. Um, I just, when I went, I didn't even love it when I went. I just knew that I was going to get into the program. Like I had a feeling and I did. And so that's where I went. And I also had a friend who was also going, um, who was a dancer, but was going to be in the communication department at college. She was not going to major in dance. And her and I like kind of decided together that we were gonna do it and room together. And that's kind of what made my final decision. And so I sort of went in like one foot in, one foot out, like really not convinced that's where I wanted to be. Um, and I was really resistant for the first like six months. I hated my modern classes. I just, it didn't, it felt like very remedial. And what I didn't realize is that they were kind of like retraining us. Like we really were starting from the beginning to like understand technique at a deeper level. 
Um, and it wasn't until the end of my freshman year, I got cast in a piece uh, in the spring with uh, a choreographer, Robert Battle, who now is the artistic director of Alvin Ailey. And he wasn't at the time, he got the job while we were um, like in rehearsals for our piece. And it just felt like, I was like, okay, I get it. Like I'm a part of something bigger. Like this is dance history. He is dance history. And, um, and I started to, you know, have, get some friends at, at college and all those things. And so I wound up really loving my time there. And the biggest thing I took away is that um, my, my, the artistic director of our program, um, Katie Langen, always used to say like process, like she, her focus on process over product. And was just like, always, you know, trust the process, trust the process. Like if there was a day where we're, any of us were being impatient, she just used to be like, trust the process. And I think that that's the biggest thing I took away is like, especially coming from a um, competitive dance background where it was just like product, product, product. Like, you know, we just, we rehearsed so we could do this thing. And, and I think that from college, I realized that like in art, you're just always going to exist in process. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I, that's what I took away from college. So I want to talk about post-college now because I think it's important to talk about how like post-college, not everything automatically goes your way. So I read on a bio on your college website that you did, that you did like the LSAT at one point mm -hmm. after college. Why did you do that? I know you mentioned you were into, you were into being a lawyer. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting because I feel like law, like dance and like, you don't really think of dance and law yeah the same like aspect really you don't really think okay well this like really good dancer is gonna maybe like go into law instead yeah I um I've always been really interested in politics and political science um as well as like I've just always been a um like die hard just for the cause like that type of person I used to like beg my mom to let me go to protests as a kid. And like, I've just always been interested in human rights and um, and also like very interested. I took a course in college called Trials of the um, 20th Century. And it was about like all of these um, monumental trials that sort of shaped culture. And it was like my absolute favorite course in college. I like favorite. Um, and so I just, I was always, in, I just always was interested. And then there, it just, it took, it took longer than I wanted it to, to start to feel like I was making progress in an artistic field. Like I just, it, it took so, so long. And I was working five different side hustle jobs, wearing myself ragged, and then starting to see people I grew up with, like get settled into really nice jobs, like start to like, just, just have things like it, like truly adulting. And I was like, I just don't even feel like I'm an adult. I'm like barely paying my rent every month, you know? And, um, and it just, I just got to this place where I was like, I've got, I've got, you know, maybe it's time, not like a plan B, but like, maybe it's just time to try something else um along with like while still you know pursuing dance but i was like well if i if i just take the lsat i'll probably want to take it again if i don't love my score so i was like okay, i was like in this process of like okay well while i still try to dance i'll try to transition into this other thing as well <laughs> so um i also my studying for the law lsat real quick Oh, oh yeah, it's it's so hard. I mean that that studying process is like not for the faint of heart. Uh, yeah, my sister is applying to law schools right now. So like for anyone who's unfamiliar, like no, it's it's a lot. <laughs> That's difficult. <laughs> yeah, and I also had known. So I guess this helps to my um, best friend's boyfriend, who's now her husband. Um, was had just taken the LSAT and was applying for. And actually that, that was, I think when I was trying to study for the LSAT, it was around the time that he had gotten accepted into Fordham law. And 
um, one of his good friends who I knew ha also had been through that whole process. And then I had another friend who had taken the LSAT as well. So I just, a, a couple of these like men that I knew in my life, like had done it. And it was funny. Cause like, they were always like, you're just as smart as we are. Like you should just take the LSAT. Like, and, and it's funny because my, my best friend's husband is so like self-deprecating in that way where he's like, you like to my best friend and I, he's always like, you two are like so smart. You would have done so much better than me, like on the LSAT, like at law school, like, and here he is like a corporate attorney making <laughs> 10 times what we're making, you know? Um, but so there was also like encouragement from that. And like, I, I, because his friend had like mock tests, like I had the um, stuff to do it. So it all sort of like fell into my lap and I was like, I guess this is what it is. <laughs> so you learned about balancing your time during that time. And you mentioned how many jobs did, were oh, you I mean, total, it's like, I was working the front desk at Equinox. I was a field marketing person for Muscle Milk. I was teaching dance in Westchester. I was babysitting as much as possible. And then I was also judging dance competitions. On weekends. So when did you sleep? Never? You know, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. That it just, my days were always full. It was like, it, it, it was just a, a morning, like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. was just constant of running around, just running around all the time. And I assume at some points there were like auditions and stuff. Yep. Too. Yep. So like that adds one more thing. <laughs> and I mean, I lucked out. I always made sure with my like side hustle jobs that they were flexible enough that if I had to um, get out of them at a moment's notice, I could like I, I had it built. I made sure to never get comfortable enough or serious enough in a side job that I felt like I couldn't do like I couldn't pursue dance. Um, and, and for that reason, it, it always worked itself out like I pretty much had myself scheduled at my work, at my side jobs, but like if there was an audition, I'd call out or get someone to cover for me, or it was always a pretty easy process to do those things. Yeah. So, I mean, that's important to like prioritize, like make sure that what, that any audition that you want to go to, like that you're going to be like, okay, you can go. Like we understand. Yes. And they were all like active and that, that was a, a big thing of mine too, is I never wanted to, um, like no shade to restaurant workers because honestly, I would have made so much more money had I like decided to be a bartender, but I was afraid that those hours would pull me away from, from, from dance. And I was also afraid that that, that money would make me comfortable and I didn't want to be comfortable. Like I wanted to still stay like steadfast in my goal. This is what I want to do. Yeah. No, I would like to make more money. Yeah. I want to do this first. So how did the audition for Milan Rouge come about for you? And what did you know? You mentioned you weren't into musical theater growing up. What did you know about Milan Rouge pre going into the audition? So I, um, I know Sonia, Taya. I've known her since I was 16. Um, I did a dance intensive when I was 16, 15, actually turning 16, um, with her. And then I, she's like the first, so she moved to New York. Moral of the story is I got brought on with Moulin Rouge through her. It wasn't at the audition. It wasn't like I knew Sonia personally and had danced for her and been in shows for her, um, prior to Moulin Rouge ever happening. So I was a part of Sonia's audition to be the choreographer for Moulin Rouge. Okay. Yeah. And um, I didn't know much about it. I knew that, you know, I knew the context of Moulin Rouge, but I'd never actually seen the movie in um, like fully before. Ooh, so you didn't know about all the glitz and glamour and all the costumes. I mean, I had seen clips and I know like Baz's style because I was a huge fan of Romeo and Juliet. So I like ish knew, um, but I did not know the story, I would say. Like I really didn't know the love story. And I also just didn't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know much about it. And I also almost purposely tried not to because I wanted to have a clear idea of what Sonia's vision for the Moulin Rouge was. Um, because I knew it was gonna be different than the movie, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, and it is, it's like a modernized version of the movie. Mm -hmm. So all you basically knew was there's going to be good choreography in this. Yes, I knew. Well, I knew. So I knew that if I was going to break into musical theater, it was going to have to be with a dance show, like a show that had high octane, like visceral type of dancing. And so when I found out that Sonia's name was getting thrown like around for Moulin Rouge, I was like, okay, this could be it. Like this could be it because I knew that Moulin Rouge was set. I knew that it was a, a like a show about show people. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, here we go. Like, I wanna be along for the ride. I don't know in what capacity, but like, I'm ready to be along for this ride. So when did she officially bring you in for it? So I, um, I auditioned, so I was out of town the like two weeks that they were having the first round of auditions um, way back when. I mean, I, I found out she called me and told me she was going to be the choreographer in like June of, when was that? 2017? That sounds right. Like June of 2017. And then they started auditions in like July, August of 2017. And so I I went in just to like at the ECC, but she she got me into just like a, a group just so that I would be in the like, you know, system for them. And then I missed the two weeks of callbacks and got just called back into final callbacks because, because Sonia was vouching for me, um, which was horrifying because I had had barely any vocal auditions and not a ton of vocal training. And I didn't really understand what I was walking into. Like, because final callbacks didn't start with dance. It started like my my first time seeing the entire Moulin Rouge team was them sitting at a long table and me having to walk in and sing like 16 bars. Not intimidating at all. <laughs> it was like, it was absolutely horrifying, like horrifying. Um, and I, I flubbed it. I mean, I couldn't breathe. I was so nervous. Like it was like an absolutely colossal disaster. I, I couldn't, like, I couldn't get voice out. Um, and so, so I left that, I left that day and I had a friend with me who was also like going in to sing as well. And I was like, well, that was that, you know, oh, well, let's get a drink, you know, <laughs> and, uh, need that. Yeah. Um, and and so I knew that that was going to be the end of my journey for that round of auditions. And it was, um, but then Sonia asked me to be her associate choreographer. And what is, for those who don't know, what is an associate choreographer's job with the show? So um, it starts with like help during the creation process. I mean, the amount of the amount of material and like also like what you wind up seeing as the final product on stage is about like one fiftieth of the amount of material that has been generated, you know, and like it takes so much prep work. It takes so many hands on deck to, to problem solve, to come up with material. So, so what um, I was to Sonia in this process, I would say, I think she would say as well as like Sonia, um, has visions like she has visions she also has like an innate sensibility of how to like speak about dance of how to groove of like what she wants movement to be generated as but you but i was a per i'm a person who because i've known her for so long has a really good understanding of what she wants and can embody it very fast um and so you know because we were because this is, was her first broadway show too you know she's working with people who don't necessarily know her innate like sensibilities or vocabulary, you know, like the cast, some of them she knew, but like some of them she didn't. And so in like pre-production rooms, I was always the go-to of like, Mia show them this, Mia show them that. Like it was very much like I was sort of embodying things so that it could translate to the cast. Um, and that's how it started. But also then being an associate turns into so much more. It's like, that's actually what I thought an associate was, was just like her assistant, just like doing yeah. the moves while she likes, you know, looks 
from a like fisheye lens. Um, to see how it's going. Yeah, but but then it becomes so much more. Um, and I had a co-associate who had been an associate before, like in a couple shows and thank goodness. Cause like she taught me a lot about like the things that associates have to do. Um, but you know, it's just like you're in production meetings, trying to problem solve with all, with the teams, with music team, directing team, the book writer, like, and, and, um, you're charting the show. Like we used stage, right? Luckily, I wasn't really the person who had to deal with stage, right? It was Katie, my co-associate, but she charts every second of every show. Like every single person is charted and gets tracked through the entire show. It's a document that's like a thousand pages, essentially. Does that mean you're working like with lighting too, to make sure like everyone's lit when they're like block, when they're like dancing their parts on stage? Yeah. So that happens in dry tech. And that's also something associates do is that like when we started tech in Boston and we were lighting the show for the first time, basically all of the associates like directing associates, music associates, dance associates would come in early and dry tech things. So like I would be get to the theater at like 9 a.m. because usually we had like three hours before cast would show up and we would stand in the dancers, like in the performers areas to make sure that they were properly lit so that the tech process could go faster for the performers. So that like, you know, only little adjustments had to be made by the time the performers came in. Did it help you in the process to be like, I mean, it to kind of be critical of musical theater and be like, this is what makes a good show? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think people underestimate, and I certainly did, truly the amount of hours that it takes. Like, and, and you know, I appreciate that now as a performer because I think it's really easy as a performer to get frustrated sometimes because your, your experience is so personal to get like frustrated with the process or feel like, how can they not know that this is going on? How can we not, and, and I, I understand now from working on the creative team, like everyone understand, like the amount of hours that go into planning this and making it work and having to compromise with the other teams and having to create, like it can get contentious at times. It can be beautiful at times. It, it's just like, so Boston was like a mind blowing experience for me, the out of town, because I just have never been that tired in my whole life. I mean, we were waking up at 8 a.m. to like go to dry tech sessions and then doing the, the show, like especially in previews, like the show would happen and then we all stay until like 2 a.m. in production meetings. So you're there earliest and then you're leaving the latest. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. So much goes into it all and it really made me appreciate everything. I mean, dance like the dance world like modern dance contemporary dance is so hard in different ways but never have I like with with theater it's just the scale is so much bigger yeah because everything again has to mesh together the lighting the acting yeah. and like and that's what it is too it's like you've got all of these people in different departments costume department lighting department that have their ideas and their version especially of something like Moulin Rouge which was already a thing like it's not as if you're creating something that has never existed you're creating, you're, you're reinventing something that already existed. So every single designer and creative team member had their idea or their version of what Moulin Rouge should be. And then you have to come together and make it all happen in a way that honors the movie, in a way that honors like the OG Moulin Rouge in Paris, like all of it. And the set is so intricate too. So you have to work with the set too. And I mean, our set designer and our costume designer, you're talking about people that have won like multiple Tonys. So, you know, it's also like praise and bow and respect for all of that. But then, and, but then you've got like all of these really passionate, um, you know, it was, it was Sonia's first Broadway show. Like it's like, and and our director is a young person, like you've got these like new newbies, if you will, not newbies, because they're very, very seasoned at their crafts, but like, you know, it's like that mixed with that. And just how do you, how do you make it all work? And then on top of that, there's teaching people who like the choreographer, the choreography who maybe aren't dancers first, who are singers first yeah. and kind of, and don't consider themselves dancers. So you're like, how do I teach this person 
the choreography <laughs> in the quickest amount of time possible. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, I mean, I will say I learned a lot from Sonia on that because she's really, really good at doing those things. I mean, especially with, with having such a um, diverse background in her field, like because she's worked with um, singers and music artists and had to do that for so long that she's so like, I, I, I've so learned um, how to be patient, but demanding, you know, um, which is a really fine skill. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's hard to do and she's really good at it. And so I definitely learned a lot from watching her interact. Was it a goal when you got involved with Moulin Rouge as associate choreographer to eventually be on the stage in the show? It was, I always, yes. And especially, and not, especially because I had so much, um, like I, I had so much ownership over it's in not like, I know it's not mine, but like so many of those moves that I helped create that I just knew someday I also wanted to dance them in like the fully realized way. You're like, I want to portray, I want to help get the point of the show across to audience. Yeah, well, I just, it just felt like, I, I never felt like I was, like I was never, as an associate, I would watch the show and it felt as, um, what am I trying to say? Like, I, I felt so uh, like satisfied. Like it, it never, I never watched the show and was like, oh, I wish I was on stage. It never felt like that. I was so like humbled and, um, and so just like pleased that I helped, like I, I played a small part of in the machine that like created this beautiful thing that I never really um, was anxious about like not being on the stage, but I just hoped that someday it would work itself out so that I could be in it because it just felt like it would be a full circle. It's like to, to start at auditioning as a performer, then to like help create this like magical beast to then be able to sort of like sew it together with like, and now you've done it. Like now you did it. Yes. And on October, I believe sixth ish. Yeah. Was it October 6th? You were on stage in Moulin Rouge for the first time. You know, I don't even know the date. I should, I should know the date of my Broadway debut, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it, I know it was the beginning of October. So what was that day like for you? How do you prepare to make up your Broadway debut like in front of an audience? Because like, I would say essentially like you're making your Broadway debut when you're working behind the scenes as an associate choreographer already. Yeah, yeah, and I, I made a point. I mean, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, I feel like when we had our first preview on Broadway, that very much felt like my Broadway debut because the pride that I had for this show, and, and I actually sort of got to feel it more from being on the outside. It's like, I watched this thing and just like sat in the seat and, you know, just cried. I'm like, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe that I'm here, you know? Um, so I did in a lot of ways feel like the like debut had happened, you know, <laughs> even though, but I know that it also is a whole lot different to make your performance debut on Broadway. Um, but I will say it felt, that watching Moulin Rouge make its like first Broadway preview and then on opening night did a lot. Like it was actually more of an emotional reaction because I actually got to sit and like enjoy. Whereas like when I made my Broadway debut, it was just stress. It was just like stress the whole time. Um, oh my God, I'm on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, am I in the right spot? Am I doing this? Am I hurt? Like, you know, all of the, the things you just feel like you're on. So also I should say, so most people who are going to make their Broadway debut or even debut in a show, um, even if they've already made their Broadway debut. The process typically for a swing is that there's a put-in rehearsal um, so that they can feel the whole show with like all elements first and then do all of their costume changes because the backstage traffic and choreography is a whole other thing itself. Yeah. Um, I knew that that was not going to be my reality because I was already so familiar with this show. Like, because I had already, you know, I knew what the lights were. And then also we wound up um, having a breakthrough case of COVID uh, in our last week of rehearsals at the studio and our first week of um, reteching 
this time around. And so I actually wound up going in to the show. So I teched the entire first act already. And then, you know, like, and had experience with the show and the lights and the whatever from previous. So I knew that I wasn't probably going to get a proper put in before I made my debut and I didn't. So I, my first time doing all of those costume changes and stuff was, was my debut. We very hurriedly walked through everything, um, beforehand, but like it was, um, I was very much tossed in. So it was very like, but, but I wanted that. Like, I also wanted that. I was like, I don't need to wait for a put in. Like, I'm ready. Let, like, let me just do this, you know? But it was very like baptism by fire. You're like, maybe if I do a put in, it would give me more anxiety. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I just want to do the thing. You know, I, yeah. I, I have been a part of the show for so long that I was just ready. I was just ready to go in. And so I found out the day of, um, we were at rehearsal and around like 2 p.m. I found out I was going in that night. And what's like your initial reaction to finding out that you're going in? Is it like panic? Is it excitement? Is it all of the above? My initial reaction was very calm. I had a feeling it was coming um, because the person who I went in for had been out um, and our, our dance captain, Carly Zanardo, had gone in for that track, but I knew, but it was one of my like first focuses. So she had already been in for a couple shows. And I was like, I, if, if this individual calls out again, it's going to be me going into the show. So I sort of like knew it was coming. And then, and so when I found out, I was like, all right, like, it was very like, okay. Like I'm prepared. <laughs> um, and then I just sort of went off on my own. Like I, I was actually really um, kind of like in my, feels about like I was sort of in myself and in like I um I really had an emotional reaction at first like feeling like I I the like mourning my grandparents like how much I wished that um it's like it was just such a I don't know it's such a weird thing I'm like it felt like all of my emotions from like what I had been through for the for the last two years and like having to take care, I've taken care of both of my grandparents who I was very close to, like as they passed. And I just like, was like, oh, like it made me, I was really mournful that they couldn't be there because they've been so much a part of like my growing up and my process. And I just immediately, like my really, my dear friend Tilly, who's a swing in the cast as well, was like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like weirdly sad. I'm like sad, but happy, but like I just, it's like, I felt all of the like weight of everything. <laughs> like I could, it's like, I couldn't feel the happy without feeling all of the sad too. I don't know. I mean, but I feel like for musical theater that probably is like feeling the emotions when you're on stage probably helps in a way because you're mm -hmm. have to portray a bunch of emotions for the, mm -hmm for the audience while on stage. So yeah. did that help? Yeah, I mean, by the time I was in the show, it was, it, it, it just sort of, I didn't feel, I sort of went into just like, let's get to the next thing, let's get to them. Like, I don't feel like I was really even absorbing anything until the finale, um, until like come what may at the very end of the show. And that's where I was like, okay, okay. Like, this is crazy this is amazing. And I was like really in happy emotions. It's very true to like what that moment's supposed to be. Oh my goodness, yes. And it's also interesting because like our show is so um, meta on like what's been happening for two years, you know, like the, with consumption and, you know, like that's, that's what we've all been dealing with. And um, so, yeah, so the whole show, my whole, like my whole debut was like pretty cathartic and pretty calm and pretty just like, okay, whoa. <laughs> like this is happening. Oh, I made it here, don't know how. <laughs> like surreal, surreal. Yeah. How many tracks do you officially cover in the show? Six. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, you helped with the choreography, but is there still like a process? Like, is it muscle memory for you at this point? Or is there like a process you use to like memorize the blocking of each track? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing because the movement, yes. Like I could do the movement 
with my eyes closed. And that, that's that, you know, not to say that it's perfect. I still deserve to get notes at times, but, but like, that's never the issue the vocabulary, but the blocking is crazy and specific. And so that has to be very, I have to, we all, I mean, we all, any swing has like tracking sheets for each of the people that they cover because it's like, it, it also gets really convoluted and mixed up in your head sometimes. Cause then like I was in a rehearsal one day doing one person's track and then somehow I just wound up in another person's track. And I was like, wait, how did I, how did I do that? Why did I do that? how did I get here? You know, because, <laughs> because you do, there's just every once in a while where you're like in a moment that's supposed to be like a big traveling step. And you're like, wait, who am I? And where am I going? Yeah, I can't even imagine like the like you have to separate each track in your mind mm -hmm. and be like, which track am I rehearsing for? Which track yeah. am I going on for? What is happening today? And that that actually happened. One of my um, uh, like a performance I did like two weeks ago, there was a moment where like in the opening, there's all these little underwatery sections uh, where dialogue's happening and like we are just sort of mingling and um, Kyle Brown was like, I think you have to go off stage. And I was like, what? Like, I thought I like messed up and wound up in someone else's track. Like I had a full like brain, like short out, didn't know where I was at in space. I was like, what do you mean? Did I do, am I in the wrong person's track? Like, and he was like, no, 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 your costume's falling off. Like my skirt, my can-can skirt had undone and like my whole butt was out. And, but it was so funny because I was like, oh, got it. So I like ran off stage real quick and got like repinned in and came back in, which was fine. But like in that moment, I had a full like, oh my God, did I do the wrong track? Like I thought that I was like, because <laughs> when he said, I think you have to be off stage. I'm like, did I do something? Like, what did I do? <laughs> oh my goodness. So speaking of costumes, that's a good segue into costumes. What's your favorite costume in the show, whether it's yours or not? Because there's a lot of like glitz and glamoury costumes in the show. So my favorite costume in the show is Erica Hunter's Bad Romance costume. Ooh. So specific, but I love it. I could never wear it. It would not look good on me, but it is so, I don't know why. I think it's just like absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then I also love, my favorite costume to wear is my Roxanne costume that whole, it, it's so, it just like fits like a glove. It feels good. My wig in that is like my favorite wig in the whole show. It just feels like the number, like it, it's less, um, like the, the, you know, our opening corsets that we also wear in shut up and raise are absolutely stunning, but they're really quite hard to breathe in. And the fabric is really tough. So it like, it, it you have to really work through it to dance. Um, but Roxanne, it like feels like the dance, you know, like the dance and the costume sort of feel like the same thing and it, and it doesn't limit you at all. And it just feels like you can like fly and do all of the stuff. Yes. Speaking of which number is your favorite in the show, which like what choreography is your favorite in the show? Roxanne. Okay. I mean, I feel like that scene just as a whole Mm -hmm. is like so captivating yeah chandelier through roxanne is like my favorite chunk of the show like can't take your eyes off the stage and yeah, then it's like it all swirls and sort of happens and like you know aaron is like singing his face off and it's just yeah that too that too and then i mean you mentioned the come what may reprise earlier mm -hmm. at the end of the show do you just like, when you're on stage, do you get goosebumps during that? Because I feel like that song is just like, it gives yeah. me goosebumps. If I've had a good show, I do. If I've had a bad show, I stand there and just like say negative things about myself in my head, which is like yeah. the healthiest thing to do, but just happens as a swing. It's like a couple mess ups and you feel like you've ruined the whole show for everyone. And nine times out of 10, literally no one's even noticed, but you know, it's just hard. I, I'm a perfectionist. I think that most swings are like to be that type to do to be a swing you have to have that type of personality um and also I just feel like because I helped create this show like I I hold myself at a higher standard because like I should know I should know you know but every once in a while like I don't know and then I freak and then and then if I make a mistake I just it's just like a full spiral and and then that what usually happens is like once one make mistake happens and like a few others happen because you've got yourself in that like headspace. So by the time come what may rolls around, I'm like, 
I'm the worst. <laughs> no, because it's so true that like, even if you do make a mistake on stage, no one notices. You're the only one who notices most of the time. Yeah. My fear is that I've like messed it up for someone who is on stage every night. Like I never want to take them out of like their show by making a mistake. And I don't, I mean, you know, anytime I, I, if something happens, I'm, I always go up to the person. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And nine times out of 10, they're like, I honestly didn't even know, you know, like they, it, but, but as I don't know, is a swing is just so exposing. Cause you just don't want to like mess up anyone else's show. And it's just hard sometimes. Cause you're not in every, every night. So, so thing you just, your muscle memory, like, like you said, like for blocking is just not there. You just don't have that. Like I have the muscle memory for the vocabulary, but like knowing where I'm going and who I'm passing, like sometimes it just gets messed up and like that's stuff I've got to learn to relinquish. But you're human. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like you can't be perfect all the time. Then you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be human. Yeah. So totally. So how would you convince people to come see Moulin Rouge on Broadway? I feel like with the holiday season coming up, I feel like it's the perfect, like, if you're going to New York for December for Christmas, like go see it because you get all the glitz and glamour, like the lights. Yeah, I think I think the the thing I say to everyone is that Moulin Rouge has something for everyone. Like, I mean, my dad, who could care less about shows, like loves Moulin Rouge because he recognizes the music. Like he grew up listening to Elton John. So your song is like a thing. Like, so for people that aren't show people you know, like the recognition of the music, like how um, awesome and beautifully our music is sort of sewn into the story and how funny it can be at times. And then how you like, don't even realize until you realize that there's three Rolling Stones songs that are in that like Duke mashup. And like that stuff I think is like the, the music and how, like, like you said, glitz and in your face, like for people who don't like shows, don't typically like shows, like that's enough to sort of win you over, I think. And then for people who do really like shows, like I think that everyone in our cast is like a master at their craft. And even if, you know, even people who are opinionated about theater, I don't think that you can come to our show and not appreciate what's going on on stage. Like you're talking about the creme de la creme of performers. I, I'm in all of them like every night. I, I just, you know, even like our, like our ensemble is just stacked with people that are like Broadway legends. Like, it's just, it's crazy. You know, I, I got, I was able to step in um, for the Thanksgiving day parade um, for Erica Hunter. Cause Erica Hunter, um, it was going to be too much with her like holiday plans for Thanksgiving and everything. And so I got to be in her place, but I just like, I was like, this is such an honor. Like Erica Hunter Yang has like been in so many Broadway shows and she's like a legend. She's like a Broadway ensemble, like legend. And, and that's just so cool about so, our show. What was the Thanksgiving Day Parade? Like, I want <laughs> like, I want to know all about that. What was that like? What time do you have to wake up in the morning to be ready for the parade, to be ready for the TV, to be ready for like the cameras to film you? What time do you get in costume? Yeah. Um, I mean, how cold was it? <laughs> <laughs> so we had our first camera blocking rehearsal after our show on Tuesday night. That was actually the, the like worst part of the process. It was very cold the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving. And like everyone had just been at the theater until, you know, whatever time. And our, our camera blocking was from like 1045 to like 1130. Like it was late and cold and just like, that was rough, you know, <laughs> but I will say like, that was the roughest part of the process. Then the morning of, obviously, like we had a show the night before I actually performed in the show the night before I got home around, you know, 1130 ish. And then had to, I woke up at four. Hi. Uh-huh. We had our call time at the theater was five 30 but it takes me longer than a half hour to like do, do my pin curls and my makeup and stuff. So I got to the theater around five. Um, actually, I think I got there close to like 4.45. And then, yeah, we, we left the theater in full costume makeup and wigs at 6.10. That's when our like buses took off for the, for the oh. parade. And 
I mean, I saw comments on social media that were like, how, like, how cold is it in New York right now? Because the costumes for Moulin Rouge, it's not much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the thing that's deceiving about those costumes, not that it's like comfortable in the cold, but we have three layers of tights on. Okay. We've got our base layer and then we've got the fishnets and then we've got the like garter fishnets on top. So though it like doesn't look like much, you know, we've got a few, we've got a couple layers on, but, um, but we basically got to be in our coats until like the second that we started. So like all of our dressers were there, like on the sidelines basically. And we had our big like parkas on and stuff. We had like hand heaters, foot heaters, like those stick on like heating pads, like all over us. And then the second that we were about, we had to do a dress rehearsal at like 7.15. And we did our first, we did the first run in our coats. Then we did the second run without our coats, but we were only out of our, like, we were only out of our um, coats for like the duration of what the performance was, like five minutes tops. Yeah. And then we got to go back to our trailers. We had trailers that were set up for us. And then we hung out for like an hour and a half until we had to go back out again. And it was quite efficient. Like the way that what they do is they thread you through Macy's at Herald Square. So you like are inside and then you hang out in like the vestibule until the performance before you finishes. And then you go out, we're like wrapped up in coats until it's like, okay, we're going, we're rolling. And then the dressers take the coats and then you do the thing and then that's it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is efficient. And then you're, you have like the camera block, you have like the camera blocking and stuff that adds like a bit of extra, like you're watching the camera people do choreography of exactly. their own. Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, yeah, we see ourselves, like, because the mo- camera monitors are facing us as we perform. So, like, we could see ourselves <laughs> while we're performing. It was, like, it was a crazy, it was honestly such an amazing experience, but very wild, like, so much adrenaline and, like, yeah. So you're, like, don't look at the screens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, don't, I don't want to see my close-up. I don't know. <laughs> don't watch yourself. <laughs> So what is your dream show to be in? Cabaret. Ooh. Yeah. I like manifesting stuff. So let's manifest that for the next revival. Revival. I'd love to be a Kit Kat girl. Yeah. Also, I would love, I I heard or read an article a couple years ago that they were turning um, across the universe into a musical. Ooh. And I don't know where that's at in the process. I think someone had just like bought the rights to it and- I don't, I don't even think that there's a creative team in place yet. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would love to do that. Sure. Okay. So whoever's working on it. Yeah. Just like FYI. FYI. I'm available. <laughs> FYI. So you briefly touched on this. How do you work on self-confidence in this industry? Because it is a tough industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it like things take a while. You have to go in for auditions. You have yeah. to get, I mean, people essentially judging you mm-hmm. when you're going in for auditions. Yeah, I try to, as much as possible, never compare myself to someone else. And I think that that's been the thing that's grounded me the most in this industry and in this field of work is that I think people can get really wrapped up in comparing. And I really am good about not doing that. And so, you know, I fight my own internal battles of like just being a perfectionist and not wanting to fail myself. But in regards to like auditions and stuff, I find that I am able to always relinquish and let go of like what's happening around me and, and just sort of be in myself and in my body and know that like, I think that I know what I can offer to a show or production of any kind. Like I, I learned that several years ago, like I know what I am valuable for in a process. And I don't try to pretend like I'm valuable for other reasons. Like I, I, not in like a, I'm a, I know my limitations, like limitations are kind of false, but just to say, like, I think I have a good self-awareness of what I'm good at and what I can offer. And in particular, like I love being a swing. I love like being in the dance captain position. And that's a position that not a lot of people in this industry love to do. Um, it's a lot. Because <laughs> it's a lot of work and you don't always get to like share in the glory of being in the, on the stage every night and all of that. And I really love it. I love that kind of work. And so that's helped me a lot. Um, knowing that 
that path is like a path I love. Um, and then beyond that, yeah, just like trusting that I love auditions. I like the adrenaline of it. I like the, um, auditions never freak me out like ever. Um, I, I think they're so fun and I'm just able to, you know, it's not the same. (laughs) Yeah, no, most people don't like it. I think that that's like the competitive dancer in me. I'm like, I I like love a moment of competition, (laughs) but then, then, you know, I'm always able to relinquish. Like if I don't get a callback, I'm like, yeah, I wasn't right. The other people were, even if I think I killed it and nine times out of 10, I do, because I think I audition well, at least dance wise, not vocally. (laughs) My vocal auditions are hit or miss. I'm getting better, but it takes a lot of calming down my heartbeat to, (laughs) to, to get to a place where I have a good vocal audition. I mean, for both for me, it would be like, nope, (laughs) like you're going to be like, "Mm -mm." I would walk in and like, just like faint. (laughs) Yeah. But, but with, but yes, like just understanding that a job is a two-way street and it's not nine times out of 10, like, it's not about you. Like it's about the algorithm and the puzzle and how they're creating a show. And, and it's been beneficial to be on the creative team to understand that because it's helped give me patience as a performer, like going into an audition, knowing that like, if I don't get cast, sure, maybe I didn't have an awesome audition, but also maybe it's not about me at all. Like maybe it's about the vision of the show and it's okay if I'm not right for it. Like I wouldn't want to be in a show that I'm not right for either. Everything happens at the right time and everything happens for a reason. Or I mean, most things. Exactly. And, And I think that you know, it can be tricky for people with self-confidence because it's hard. It's hard if you have like low self-esteem or low self-confidence to zoom out, you know, and, and I'm thankful that, and I don't know, if, I don't know what comes first. I'm like, I don't know if my ability to zoom out then able, <laughs> enables me to like have confidence or whether it is confidence that enables me to zoom out. But like, I typically, if I start to feel myself get wrapped up or like anxious about something, I'm like, just, just pull out a little bit and understand that like, okay yes so before i get to my last question where can people follow you on social media to keep up with what you're doing i am most active on instagram and it's just my name it's mia deweese um d-e-w-e-e-s-e is my last name and then yeah i mean i'm on like facebook and twitter as well but not super active on those mostly i mean instagram is my thing i wish i was good at tiktok super not good at tiktok I like have an account, but have never posted anything though. My, my dressing, my roommate in my dressing room, she's like pretty good at TikTok. Ooh. So maybe sometimes you'll make like an appearance. Yeah. I've made an appearance here and there. (laughs) Follow her for that. Yeah. Yeah. But Instagram is where I uh, do most of my posting. So. So lastly, have you been, whether it's dance related or theater related or not, did you do anything in quarantine or have you been working on anything by yourself that you like to promote? I um, did an episode of The Gilded Age uh, over quarantine, which is coming out on HBO Max. I think they finally gave us a release date, I think February of 2022. Um, I was in this awesome, uh, who knows, it's probably like going to be a flash of my face across the screen, but it was a really cool like waltz scene. Um, that I got to be a part of and that that's really fun and then I'm trying to think I also did a dance video with one of my dear friends who's an incredible choreographer her name is Chelsea Thedenga and um she is right now working on like a ton of like choreographic videos and things and I and I did a video with her called Shake that is up on her Instagram and that was just super fun and we did that like we did that in the in the coming out of quarantine like right before this last summer and it was just like it was the first time that I'd seen a lot of my friends and gotten to like dance with them and share a space with them so that was like a fun little project as well like a celebration of sorts absolutely absolutely reunion slash project yeah yeah I'll have to find the link and post it in the description yes yeah for sure HBO Max and yeah in February I'll post that info down there too yay Thank you so much for coming on and talking and hearing about your career. It's such, <laughs> you have such an interesting story. Yeah, it's a very unique little route to Broadway, but it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me a lot of like, I'm seeing similarities between a lot of performers, career paths, and 
uh, Jonathan Larson's story and uh, take mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yes. it. Yes, I um I have a friend who was an, an assistant choreographer on that. And yeah, we've had we've had similar journeys as well. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye!